We are here. Let me welcome you in to the Serve Conscious podcast. Here, service is self-mastery, and by self-mastery, I just mean being the human you intentionally want to be. I believe anywhere we are called to serve, whether personally or professionally, is the place where this self-development happens. But I also think mindfulness tools can do a heck of a lot to help us along the way. It's my quest to explore any mindfulness tool, ancient and modern, that can be applied to skillful service as well as just bettering our own lives. So here, every dimension of service and hospitality is explored from the artistic to the technical to the cultural to the deeper, more undefinable aspects of the human experience. I want to bring back all the bones to help us with something that can often be so challenging so we can do it more thoughtfully, purposefully, and effectively, really. You know, it's never a bad idea to understand how to live and act in a way that benefits everyone, especially you. In my experience, when you stop thinking service costs you something, it gives you everything. All right, so I want to talk about a really unique genre of uh, restaurant uh, here in the United States. That's kind of been a thing for, for some time now. I mean, a couple of, I mean, for decades, actually. I don't know how far back it goes. But uh, it seems to be, you know, in the dark fringes of the dining world, especially in tourist industries, people really seem to enjoy the um, the attitude waiter um, venue. I don't know if you've heard of these places like um, Ed DeBevix in uh, Chicago, which just closed, uh, and then there's a chain uh, restaurant called uh, Dick's Last Resort. They seem to have uh, locations throughout the United States. They've actually made like a franchise or a chain or whatever it is out of the attitude server gimmick basically so so like it's not just this sort of unique little place where like the servers are known for their attitude and that happens you know plenty in America and and sometimes it's not even deliberate sometimes it's just you know there's just a lot of attitude there and um ownership doesn't seem to mind uh, it suits the neighborhood, it suits the demographic, all that stuff. Uh, but this is actually like a packaged product where um, servers are obliged to give attitude and um, people come there uh, expecting that. And, and if one opens in your town, you know that they're going to be like s- recruiting <laughs> the, uh, the grumpiest, snarkiest uh, people in the area to serve food and drink. Now, uh, this is fascinating for me because I spent most of my most of my adult life in fine dining at least or like somewhere that was like service driven, like trying to take the guest experience um, to a certain level that others weren't. And um, these places are the inversion of that where people go and um, – they still have a good time, but it's not because the server's being nice to them and accommodating and polite and all of those all of those things that servers are very careful to be, all of those things that they're very anxious about being, if it's like a, quite a high-end place. Um, 
But when people go to somewhere like Ed DeBevick's or Dick's Last Resort, they basically go where there is there is no contract to be nice. Uh, the contract is that they will like roast you <laughs> for the whole evening, and um, it's entertaining. Like I mean, you look at the YouTube videos; it's like everyone's getting their order taken by Don Rickles. Servers like witty, quick on their feet, and does not miss a beat. Um, giving someone a hard time about something. And they're all playing along. They're all feeding it. Because they'll retort, and they probably won't be as good at it. You know, just like if you go to like a comedy show, the people heckling the comedian will uh, generally just get bludgeoned by the comedian's wit and aggression and ability to just to just speak on their feet really readily. You know, they won't have uh, much return fire, generally. So, yeah, here it's like basically a comedy show where uh, heckling is encouraged because it's just part of the whole, you know, dinner theater experience, interactive dinner theater, basically. And, uh, you know, we're talking like groups of guys, you know, going out and like having a good laugh together, but like also families, like with kids going in knowingly, knowing what they're getting into. And, you know, having a ball. One of the most viral videos on YouTube of one of these, like, professionally snarky, basically, uh, servers uh, is of a family uh, just getting roasted by them. And uh, this server uh, became fairly well-known and was even on talk shows and stuff for um, just lighting up the internet, for just doing what they all do. I mean, she said in the interviews that... um, She's not even, like, anything special as far as the servers goes. She's not even one of the best ones. But her particular performance somehow um, just caught the most momentum on the internet. So it goes. Watching her get interviewed uh, was interesting, actually. Um, She's also very funny and witty in real life. You know, she's just one of those, just sort of like Melissa McCarthy-like, right? Um, Maybe more crass, a more crass Melissa McCarthy. Uh, But she... um, she uh, described uh, finding employment at Ed Bevix as, like, basically her salvation. <laughs> she was uh, working in retail and accumulated such a hatred for humanity. And just so you guys know, it's not just waiters and waitresses that feel like they're getting the life sucked out of them uh, serving. It's definitely anyone in any given, like, mall outlet. For sure. Um, And in these situations, uh, finding a place where you can externalize your general um, frustrations with humanity uh, is just uh, a godsend for some people. Especially people like who are are naturally sassy and quick-witted and whatnot. So, so yeah, what was entertaining uh, for this family is her own experience of catharsis you know that's her externalizing her frustrations with humanity in a way that is uh, comedic and entertaining you know and which which comedy is you know it is like the uh the deep angst of someone playing out in the sort of safe arena of something that's uh comedic and entertaining and uh that is what she was bringing into her role 
at Ed DeBevix, as I'm sure so many employees were. Now, if people saw this interview and saw that she um, obviously is uh, frustrated and um, misanthropic and generally resentful of humanity, and they went to Ed Devevix, would they be excited to be served by her? Of course they would. Would they know that she's basically just like using them as a punching bag to take out her rage? Would they be fine with that? Of course they would. Why? Because... People, it's not just that they find it entertaining. That's definitely an aspect to it. And anyone that goes there, they'll probably just say that because people aren't really going to say what's going on, nor are they going to give it much scrutiny. Okay, it's only weirdos like me (laughs) that really like to dig down into the layers of stuff like this. So definitely there's an entertainment aspect to it. Okay, I think people enjoy the authenticity of it. And I don't even know how authentic the servers are being sometimes because they're actually obliged uh, to be douchebags, which is funny. Like, they they can't be nice. Um, They have to give you a hard time, you know. They have to give you a hat and write insults on it and stuff like that. Like, they, they... it's part of the experience that they're obliged to, provi- uh, to provide for their guests. So, which is funny because there's just as much pressure to perform for them as there is for a server that has to be nice. Except here, the servers love it because there's this sense of authenticity. They can be authentically themselves, even though they always have to be in that gear of douchebag. And guests, it feels authentic, even though they know that the server's obliged to do that, probably. Because niceness can cause just as much anxiety as uh, someone being a jerk. Because there's a strain felt by what they're holding back. Because when you're serving, if you're not saying something and, you, and you're like putting on a tortured smile and uh, you're um, speaking politely even though you're boiling inside, you think a guest can't feel that? Of course they can. Of course someone can tell. Even if they're not even consciously aware of it, they are having that experience in a felt way in their subtler, finer levels of feeling. And it's going to affect their experience. Occasionally, now, it is fairly rare, rarer than it should be, to encounter a server that is just genuinely nice in a way that feels kind of easy and authentic. Nice in a way that seems effortless, which means authentic. To the extent that, at times, you may hardly even notice them serving you. That's what the effortlessness of authenticity looks like. That's what it feels like to have the light touch of an expert server that doesn't really need your approval in that way. And they are kind of rarer. Um, The ones that are excessively nice and perky and chipper often like annoy people because they can feel how intensely they, they either need your approval or are just holding back whatever negativity they're repressing. So uh, at those attitude uh, server places, when everything's just kind of thrown on the table like that, there's this sense of authenticity. And then once you have that, once you have an authentic person on the table, then the person says, I want to win 
their love. Because people that are authentic, okay, they people tend to want to be liked by them. Because they know if they're liked, it is something they earned, and it is something that's real. It's not someone someone is just putting on for their own gain or to prevent conflict or 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 whatnot. Overly nice people generally aren't trusted because people will suspect there's an ulterior motive. But if you're not nice, people won't think you have ulterior motives. They'll think you want nothing from them. And so once the mean person, a grumpy person, shows approval of them, they'll think, wow, I must be pretty awesome. <laughs> it's, a, it's a really, you know, it's a funny counterintuitive way uh, that people work, you know. If someone says, oh, I'll have your bullshit love no matter what I do, uh, it, it can bring out the worst in them. If you're genuinely uh, nice and accommodating, that's a different story. Um, sometimes you don't know what you're going to get with that um, as, as a response, but that's another conversation. But um, those that are trying really hard to be nice, people can always smell that, and often they uh, might give you a hard time for it if they're a contentious person. Uh, if you're attitude it's funny, just, you know, People will respect that. They'll respect authenticity, even if you offend them. So how does this play out in the service world? Like if I was attitude and authentic in a fine dining job, I would obviously be fired, right? There would be outrage. People would be, you know, they wouldn't care at all how authentic I'm being. They expect a certain amount of polish, right? But then if I was working in fine dining and I was being overly, like, strained, people would probably, you know criticize that as well. So there's a certain amount of ease and uh, lightness and calm that you need to maintain even uh, in the highest levels of polish when it comes to service. Uh, The service still needs to seem natural even when it is highly refined. So somewhere like Ed DeBevix or Dick's Last Resort it was basically short-circuiting the authenticity experience, the authentic hospitality experience, by coming at it from the completely opposite direction. And, yeah, it's cathartic not only for the servers, but for the people there. Because the people that go there are probably tired of overly strained, stiff service. They want the opposite. And they're probably, like, even morbidly curious Oh what's going to be said to them when the gloves come off. Because actually wondering what someone really thinks of you will often give you more anxiety than someone just straight up saying it. And it's tempered, their honesty is tempered by the fact that giving you a hard time and being honest about what they think about you is all just fuel for uh, being the entertainer. So you don't feel like they actually have disdain for you, but you also don't think like they're holding back what they really think of you. It's more like whatever they think of you is used for entertainment rather than them attempting to uh, to demean you. Because um, servers do sometimes have to lay down the law. They do have to uh, say something maybe uh, less polite, harsher, uh, in, in a place that isn't like Ed DeBevix, you know, in maybe a, a, a nicer restaurant or ones where you have a contract with the guest to be nice. You know, that's what management expects of you. Occasionally, 
you need to get tough. Or occasionally they just go rogue and just do that, you know, uh, hoping that it doesn't get back to their managers. And when they do, it feels like such an attack. Like, you know, like, here we are, we've come, we've sat to eat, you know, we've, we're making ourselves, we're putting ourselves in your care. And you um, attack us or even just slight us in the smallest way. I mean, people are so sensitive to what a server says generally because they, they feel like they've made themselves uh, vulnerable to them. And because they're, they're paying many times what the food is worth in order to be served it. And so, you know, you better, you better show up uh, as the uh, polite, kind person we're expecting. So anytime a server even becomes anything but absolutely gracious... Uh, in those situations, it's generally deeply felt and uh, outrage will occur. So only when there's this contract of, of authenticity at somewhere, like uh, Ed DeBevix, can someone just like throw it on the table. Because there's a certain uh, staging about the whole thing. For example, the, uh, the Ed DeBevix uh, waitress in the uh, interview that she was having on the talk show, she said that the family that she was uh, giving a hard time to uh, at the table was was being really cool, really good sports, you know. And and then later on, they came up to her and they said, "Hey, there's a there's a problem with our food." Um, and uh, and then she started giving them a hard time. And they said, "No, no, actually, seriously, uh, I'm breaking the fourth wall here for a moment and telling you that there's a problem that needs to be rectified." Actually, and then. And then that was it. Then she was, like, suddenly launched into being a traditional accommodating server. Because, like, underneath the contract of, like, staged authenticity, she still is of service to them, ultimately. So she literally switches modes into the helpful server that rectifies a problem with the food. And so I think, how interesting. So it's, it's staged. They're playing roles, right? The server's playing the role of attitude person. The guest is playing the role of, you know, someone being fine with that. But then once they actually require real service, there's literally, like, a break of character and traditional service is launched into. So you still need that, obviously. You know, or else, like, it's just going to be, like, misery and chaos because ultimately people need to eat and they need to enjoy their food. And um, if the server is going to be subversive of even that fact of them getting food and enjoying it and being nourished by it and all that stuff that has to happen on a very primal level, then there's a problem. So literally the waitress said he broke the fourth wall, meaning it's staged. It's all, it's all, it's all on a stage, which is, um, which is funny. So it's all kind of a fantasy. It's kind of a fantasy uh, lived out and played out not only by the servers because they're living a fantasy of just being very honest about uh, their criticisms and um, even if it's not fully serious, it still arises in them, you know, something snarky to say about their guests. And the guests are living a fantasy of of the snarky server that's not only being honest to them about what they think, I think there's also they're living vicariously through the server of seeing like a really honest, forthright, and also very like witty and um, sharp person um, saying whatever they want 
to someone that's employed them <laughs> basically uh, to feed them. I bet you the guests of those restaurants are saying to themselves, I wish I had the balls to say whatever I want like that. I wish I had the balls to say whatever I wanted to the people that are employing me, just as we are employing her or him. Not only that, but actually everyone at the table gets a thrill out of seeing the server say things to their friends, peers, family, that they themselves may not have the gumption to say. So that's another dimension of shared enjoyment, because actually people going there alone, I, I imagine it's pretty awkward. I read, a, I read an article um, of a, in like a student publication of the student that went there alone, and actually the server didn't really give them much of a hard time, because they know there's no possibility of theater there. There's no real audience except the person being abused. And then it just seems kind of cruel. Which is an interesting thing to think about because um, people that go out alone, I think, are automatically looked upon, you know, as maybe like uh, pitiable. You know, it's kind of like there's just a bit of feeling sorry for them. Like perhaps they, um, you know, don't have anyone to go out with and eat, uh, even even if the person wants to be alone. Um you know, I often think, actually, when I'm serving and I see someone alone, I think, I, I hope they want this. I hope they weren't wishing they were with someone else. Because the idea of someone, you know, longing for a company that they're not uh, receiving is uh, strikes home for all of us, you know. So, yeah, lone diners are left to be. And uh, big groups get just the full, the full experience. Because big groups generally are the hardest for service to deal with. And so seeing them getting taken down is the most entertaining for everyone because a server generally is outnumbered by big groups. The bigger a group gets, the more anxiety the server probably has because there's more mob mentality and um, there's just more, there's more power they have, innate power they have over them. Even if, you know, they're nice, there's just a lot of group dynamics to manage. So... So a server's going to have the most fun with the biggest audience, basically, in those places. Otherwise, uh, their shit-talking uh, will, uh, will dominate. Because, you know, people do fire back in these places. So if you're not really on it and really um, demonstrating your sort of control over the situation, uh, they will, um, they'll give you the hardest time. And that goes for anywhere where you don't get to just give your tables a hard time. Anywhere where you have to be nice and give good service to. If there's anything wrong at the table, the person is going to give you a hard time. They're going to be emboldened by everyone around them to demonstrate their strength and resolve. And perhaps even demonstrate how funny they are when they give you a hard time for it. So serving big groups does bring the most anxiety because there is the highest possibility of getting publicly shamed in front of like a, a bigger possible group. And then having that group feed the person and encourage them in, in some way, whether like um, expressly or subtly, to continue to be the aggressor. So so in those situations, an Ed DeBevick server really has to be on. And because it might be, you know... Uh, a server versus guest experience. Which, you know, ultimately makes it a divisive thing. You know, even if it's fun, even if it's entertaining, it still is server versus guests in their own way. And um, not really 
the sensibility that I have uh, or the kind of work uh, I'm trying to do with serve conscious, even though I am quite a smart ass. And in my day, made an Olympic sport out of ridiculing my guests to my coworkers. Ultimately, if you're drawing a line in the sand between you and whoever you're serving, that uh, is actually going to bring you anxiety and and pain in maybe just subtle ways. It's going to make it a less rewarding, uh, less enjoyable experience serving. And although I believe being um, authentic, quote-unquote, on the table, everything on the table, you know, jokey-jokey, give a hard time to the guests, um, I think that there will always be the anxiety of here I am here, and on the other side of that line are my guests that I have to both perform for and win a battle of wits with. And if you think you'd enjoy doing something like this, because that is just authentically who you are, and you would be, you know, repressing that doing any other kind of service work, then that's probably a good opportunity to check in with yourself and why there's just so much aggression and resentment for humanity that you would want to spend eight hours a day, five days a week, just lashing lashing them <laughs> with, with your uh, aggression, however comedic that it is. So, um, so I'm not saying that this is like bad service. I'm very careful about like dismissing things that are a different service model uh, that I have. I think uh, there's a huge potential to be snobby here if something doesn't like align with the standards that you know you've habituated from years in fine dining. Uh, but I do think that this is a phenomenon that is worth psychoanalyzing to better understand ourselves, and that's it. Because ultimately, you've got a situation where both parties seem to be having a good time. The servers think working there is a godsend. Uh, the people attending are having a good time. And the people running the joint have found the business model to be so successful that they've opened multiple locations all around the country. I can't argue with that. As somebody who's trying to give people like tools and knowledge to be less fragile, basically, to be able to handle the rigors uh, of human interaction and all the contention that other people might throw at you, I am on the side of people not being so sensitive uh, in that regard. Sensitive meaning fragile, not sensitive meaning perceptive, by the way. Uh, sensitive meaning easily hurt. And I do love a sort of domain, a sort of playground, where people are relinquishing all fragility and saying, fine, give me a hard time, I can handle it. It's funny, I don't take myself so seriously, right? Like, it's just a really great thing for everyone to sit around and say, let's not take ourselves so seriously here. So yeah, if I'm working with people, teaching them meditation, teaching them how to be like stronger, more fully realized servers, I'm going to be teaching them how to take things less personally and how to take themselves less seriously. So... I guess in theory I should be championing a venue where um, people are living that. Both the guests and the servers are living that. Which I guess leaves one with the question of can this be done 
without a sort of host versus guest dichotomy. Because, you know, my sort of studies of Eastern hospitality and time spent in the East and time spent studying mindfulnessy stuff and all that, that all kind of leads to a hospitality paradigm where there is a connection and unity between guest and host and not a division. So that would be like the only point that doesn't align. Otherwise, a lot of the problems with service are cleansed by this paradigm of authentically snarky server. It, it really does tick a lot of boxes when it comes to um, a lot of the sort of problems and obstacles to uh, being a host and being a guest. It actually it solves an amazingly large amount of the problems. Um, and the only thing is you have to live in a dual reality. One where you're snarky and you don't give a shit about them and you just, you know, take pleasure in giving your guests a hard time and all this stuff. And then when they actually need something, you have to actually serve. You, you're only able to be that snarky server uh, when they don't actually need something. During like the sort of mindless, easy order taking part or just, you know... Any situation where there's minimal demands. Otherwise, you got to switch it on. So it's always got to be there anyway. So how to just kind of make this a unified thing is, uh, is I guess, another conversation. But, you know, I, ultimately, I don't think this model needs work. Um, it's, it really is like, a, like an ancient tradition. Getting roasted, giving each other a hard time. Like, do yourself a favor and get on YouTube and find, like, the Comedy Central uh, roast series, if you haven't already, and just watch a bunch of really, really brutal comedians just disembowel each other, both each other and actually a, a major public figure. And actually, the whoever puts themselves on the chopping block to be roasted gathers a certain respect, because they show strength. They show that their egos are not so delicate. They don't have themselves so tightly wrapped in defenses that they can just sit there surrounded, getting the shit kicked out of them and come out not only unscathed, but laughing and uh, in enjoying it. You know, Bruce Willis did it. Pamela Anderson put themselves in there. Uh, Charlie Sheen was the uh, target of roasts. And even Donald Trump, uh, be obviously before he was a major political figure. And going through this ring of fire is uh, something that is a major component of many ancient traditions. Um, being initiated into a club of some sort involves being roasted, involves being dressed down a bit. You know, this ego identity, this narrative of yourself that you've built up to protect yourself, it will get undressed because people can detect it. They, they know the parts of you that uh, you're wearing as armor and they'll dress it down to see what's underneath and uh, to see if there is uh, someone that is made of stronger stuff underneath all of those uh, constructed personality traits. And... Uh, and this is not only a feature of like Western clubs like fraternities and the Friars Club and all those, you know, kind of more uh, 
celebratory, uh, fun-loving kind of groups. Um, it's actually something that defines Eastern traditions. Like Zen is a good example of it. Zen masters are known for being shit disturbers. They're known for making fun of people, and they're known for doing anything that actually confronts uh, your ego self. So yeah, you know, I would never actually argue against someone going through that process. And in fact, I wish I could prescribe it to some people who take themselves too seriously. I guess it's just funny seeing it mingled with something that I'm considering to be a sacred space like hospitality. But really, this whole thing is meant to be a reminder that, you know, there is no nailing down what the hospitality environment is supposed to look like. Ultimately, the only obligation of the host is to provide the guest with their needs. And I guess sometimes their needs are getting roasted and getting their identity shaken up a bit by uh, some jokes at their expense. And that need uh, may be just as fundamental as food and drink. And and if they were seeking comfort, then they would go to 99% of the world's restaurants where that is the obligation of the server. But no, they went there because they need what they can't get from any other bar or restaurant or any other person in their life because really everyone is just too careful and just too polite sometimes. So I guess my only like argument would be to a service professional who thinks this is like the antidote to their misgivings, their disenchantment uh, about not only serving, but people as a result of the challenging nature of serving. I don't know if the path to rediscovering love and appreciation for humanity is endlessly busting their balls. I think there's... It's like a... It's like one, it can be one component of a whole spectrum of ways of relating to people. But if it's your only way in, then you're definitely limiting yourself. Because serving, along with, you know, living life, is about being adaptable. That is one of the reasons why I believe uh, serving to be incredible practice for living effectively and, and experiencing growth. The practice at adaptiveness to the needs of others. And if you only know one gear, then obviously there's limits. Like, for example, there's your friend who can't be anything but a joker, right? And eventually that gets tiresome. Eventually you say, is there any interaction you can have that isn't satirical? Can you consume an experience without using it as fodder for, for satire? After a while, you just, you say to these people, like, what is wrong with you? You know, why can't you have a sincere interaction with the world? Because honestly, sometimes it is called for. So rigidly sticking to a path will, will run you into situations where you are being something that the situation doesn't call for. Now, at these places like uh, Dick's Last Resort, it is always called for. It is prescribed. It is their obligation. That's all the people come seeking. But I wonder, though if they come seeking it a lot. Is it just an occasional sort of enema that they experience, like a, like a hospitality enema? <laughs> mm -hmm. 
or for some people is Dick's Last Resort, like their Cheers, like their local, where everyone knows their name. Like, do some people actually not get tired of this and want it on a regular basis? I wonder. So yeah, that is my unbelievably long analysis of bitchy waiter restaurants. Unbelievably long and rather, you know, dualistic, as it turns out, you know? There are so many positives to places like Dick's Last Resort, and, you know, of course some limitations. And those limitations being simply that the full spectrum of human interaction isn't possible because there are dedicated roles, and that's it. And there is only sincerity when there's an absolute emergency. Like, hey, I actually need your help rectifying this problem with my food. Can you please switch out of your sassy role to help me? And, and of course, that limits us, and that limits us in any life interaction. But otherwise, that authenticity and that shedding of your self-imposed fragility and allowing yourself to be, you know, dressed down a bit because, you know, all those things that are being targeted, those aren't really you anyway, you know. It is a demonstration of strength to be able to do that. So, yes, there's good and bad in a situation like that, like there is with everything, and I hope this examination of it here was uh, helpful for you. And I would love to hear um, any experiences you've had at places like this. Uh, please reach out. Check out the uh, website, serveconscious.com. You can send feedback. You can write me. You can check out more content and get some more perspectives of service through a mindfulness and self-development lens. Thanks for listening. All the best. Shake out.